but it's 5.15 p.m. and you're listening to Max and Murphy on WBAI. And since it is 5.15, it means New Yorkers, many of them are beginning their commute home. Uh, the city is on the move. You can feel it. And I'm sure here in many areas, people are driving, folks are on the bike paths, people are walking, taking public transit. And obviously that means that, you know, people are, are encountering each other at uh, crosswalks and intersections. And hopefully everyone is getting where they need to go safely. But the process of trying to make that a safer ride for everybody is one that our current guest has been a big advocate in. His name is Mark O'Connor, and he is the co-deputy director and I think interim executive director of Transportation Alternatives. Marco, welcome to Max and Murphy. Thank you very much. Happy to be on. So I was hoping you could, just to kind of set the, the table, talk about where we are in Vision Zero and Mayor de Blasio's overall record on this, because it's one that has been mentioned earlier. He's touting in his national campaign. It's one that he has been um, putting together for five years now. How would you describe it? Where, where are we in terms of the progress uh, we've made and, and where we should be? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, first, I'll just start off saying that you know, we are a, a city of, of, of walkers in, in New York City. You know, pretty much everyone is a, is a pedestrian or, or rolls in, in, a, in a wheelchair or, or by other means. Um, and we should be able to walk freely without worrying uh, about being uh, struck and injured by, by motor vehicles. Um, but you know, the, the sad reality is that we've kind of become accustomed to to a city with thousand pounds of, uh, of of lethal uh, moving, uh, you know, at fast pace objects um, speeding by us, right? Um, and um, and sadly, we we do have an epidemic of, of traffic violence in New York City. Um, more than two hundred people are killed every single year. More than three thousand, up to three thousand people are, are seriously injured every single year. Um, so. It is an epidemic, and um, and the cause of it are, you know, certainly the conflicts that we have, as you kind of alluded to, uh, between pedestrians and and motor vehicles. Um, but it's also to a significant extent kind of our current design of, of streets. Um, the the good part about this, kind of looking forward, is that it is preventable. Um, we we have the tools to prevent these uh, these fatalities and injuries um, at transportation alternatives together with families for safe streets um, which is a group of New Yorkers uh, who have either lost someone to traffic violence or who have been seriously injured we were able to lower the speed limit in New York City from 30 to 25 miles per hour citywide in 2014 um, and reducing the speed is one of the most critical factors that we can we can take um, to to making it it's safer. Um, we also were able to renew and, and significantly expand uh, the life-saving speed camera program that we have in the city, uh, which is an, another kind of speed enforcement tool that um, that is the most effective and, and, and fair tool that avoids having an armed police officer making routine traffic stops. Um, and, and most importantly, you know, what, what can be done to address the, the, this epidemic of traffic violence is to redesign our streets. So there are various measures that can be taken, like narrowing the vehicle travel lanes. Um, 
building in pedestrian islands, so it shortens the crossing distance, protected bike lanes that make it safer for people on bikes and and other road users as well, um, and a host of, of other measures. Um, and, and where those have been implemented, those locations have been safer. But the kind of frustrating thing um, in light of this epidemic of traffic violence is that you know, under de Blasio, even though many of these tools have been implemented, they simply have not been implemented at the pace that the crisis and the, the epidemic uh, requires. You know, the goal of Vision Zero, which is something that, Vision, that Mayor de Blasio adopted, is to reduce to zero the number of people killed and seriously injured in traffic and to do so by 2024. And uh, putting that number on there that year really should um, be the, the cause of a, a sense of urgency to apply these life-saving measures at an accelerated pace. And We've seen that with a few of these measures, um, but by and large, it simply hasn't been applied on a wide scale at the pace that we need. I find it fascinating on the Transportation Alternatives website just to, to read the mission is, you know, a fairly bold statement, which is to reclaim New York City's streets from the automobile um, and advocate for better bicycling, walking and public transit for all New Yorkers. Um, can you say a little bit more about sort of the ideal uh, as far as your perspective goes? What would the city look like if you could, um, you know, again, in, in somewhat realistic fashion, move towards um, your mission there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, our mission is is one that we are we are proud of. It's it's uh, <laughs> one that kind of sustains my daily work and and others here. Um, and you know, we don't want to ban cars from the city. They they serve a, a purpose for, for some people who who need them uh, to be mobile. Um, we need certain goods to be moved by by car by truck as well. Um, but the extent to which our streets are saturated with with cars and trucks um, is not something that we need. Um, and so. The, the ideal New York city that I imagine is is one where everyone in New York can get around without a car if they, they have to. Um, so that means going to work, to school, doing grocery shopping, visiting friends nearby, um, that you can do that by walking that you can do it by bicycle, and most importantly, that you can do it safely and with minimal interaction with with cars and trucks. Um, you know, more than 99% of people killed uh, and seriously injured in the city are, are injured by motor vehicles, right? It's, it's, and, and we also know that most of the times it is not the pedestrian, it is not the bicyclist who is uh, causing it. Um, that shows that in the vast majority of cases, it is a dangerous um, act by the, by the driver. So, um, so, so being able yeah, to get around and, and also far, far more parks, far more playgrounds, right? Um, you know, one, one great example of uh, streetscape that, uh, that I would love to see in New York City are Barcelona's so-called superblocks, where you have um, like kind of a, a grid-like uh, streetscape where most streets in a neighborhood are uh, car-free, where only 
um, cars that are belong to residents can can be parked, uh, and you can only drive at 10 miles per hour. And then on the outskirts, you have um, kind of faster moving traffic and through traffic. But in between, you have all this space where people can walk, interact with neighbors. Uh, you have playgrounds and and more. And there is no reason why we can't uh, get there uh, for New York City. And just say a little bit more about, you know, if, if the sort of design of New York City uh, streets and land was was turned over to transportation alternatives and you had, you know, the next five years to really ex- execute a vision. What are some other elements of that? I mean, is it a huge, you know, network of, of bike lanes and, you know, they're they're super protected? Uh, you know, what, what does it look like uh, on a physical level a little bit more than what you just said? Yeah, I would certainly say a, a couple, couple of things. You would you would see a you would see shared streets are precipitated throughout the the city. So shared streets are, are streets that uh, where different modes uh, of transport uh, kind of share the street and at a human pace. So so cars on those streets would be allowed to drive no faster than 10 miles per hour, right? So these would be, you know, heavy uh, commercial districts with a lot of foot traffic. It would be residential areas. Um, where you know you wouldn't have to to worry about your your kids um, being out on on the streets because the the few vehicles there would would be operating at at a slow human pace. Um, we would also see a citywide network of connected protected bike lanes so that people would be encouraged to bike. Um, in you know we've seen polls after polls over years where people are asked what prevents them from from biking and there, and there are two main reasons. One is they feel unsafe and for for good reason, right? We we have several bike lanes in the city that are just excuses for, for bike lanes, essentially, with paint thrown onto the to the streets um, to, to, to simulate a, a bike lane, um, and the, which are constantly being violated um, by, by large trucks. So we would have a, a citywide network of protected bike lanes so people could bike. And then the other reason that people cite, in addition to, to safety, is lack of parking. So right now, the lack of parking for bicycles in the city essentially creates a bottleneck for for growing bicycling. So we would have bicycle parking facilities near every transit hub um, and and other places throughout the city. And then another element that you would certainly see on a transportation alternatives city um, uh, is much better public transit. So we need our buses to run on time. We need them to run more frequently and faster and to not be stuck in traffic. That can be achieved by having dedicated bus lanes that are enforced with with um, with cameras. Um, and it can be achieved by getting to New York City actual bus rapid transit, which is kind of dedicated uh, bus route with uh, that almost um, emulate uh, trains, except they are above ground and they have their own dedicated lane. And that's something that could be seen, for example, on Utica Avenue in in Brooklyn. And so, you know, these are, are kind of, um, these are features that would be critical if we're also asking New Yorkers to drive less. We need to also create, you know, viable uh, alternatives to them. 
Given those uh, you know, plans and visions, I'm curious, the, the Speaker of the City Council, Corey Johnson's proposal for a master plan to lay out bike lanes and pedestrian infrastructure and, and some transit elements on a five-year basis, that's a bill he's proposed uh, and, uh, and is being worked through the legislative process in City Hall. How much would that do to accomplish your wish list? How, much, how far would that take us? That would do. A, that would do a lot. Um, you know, I cannot commend the speaker, Corey Johnson, enough for for putting forth this this bold proposal. Um, you know, it would it would require a citywide network of protected bike lanes. It would require 150 miles of dedicated bus lanes throughout the city. Uh, it would. Uh, and, and a host of other elements, including uh, several thousand more leading pedestrian intervals, which is, is what many have probably noticed in recent years have sprung up near intersections where pedestrians actually get a kind of a head start uh, as they cross the street before motor vehicles are allowed to proceed in the same direction or allowed to turn. So it, it, it oftentimes entirely eliminates a potential kind of turning conflict, as it's, as it's called, um, and, and avoids, um, you know, prevents um, pedestrians from even being, being, being struck in many instances. So you would see that uh, rolled out as, as more of a matter of fact throughout the city. Um, so, so that proposal from the, the speaker would, would be a tremendous step forward. We only have about a minute or so left. I just wanted to um, get you, if you could, to sort of tick off what are the what are the biggest barriers in your experience and in your mind to um, implementing more of of your vision. Obviously, someone like Corey Johnson coming in with his mindset and his policies um, that he's pushing forward uh, clearly bolsters the the type of work, as you just said, that you're you're looking to do. But what are the biggest impediments? Is it um, a mayor who has a too timid vision? Is it community boards? Um, what what are the big impediments? It, it's certainly uh, we certainly need leadership. Um, you know, we need, we need someone willing to break with the dominating car culture and someone who is willing to say that that yes, that you know that is we can have a better streetscape in New York City where we don't have to contend with uh, with someone losing their life uh, every 40 hours or 200 people being injured every single day. Um, but it also uh, is a, we also have to, to overcome the um, kind of the, the victim blaming that we see. And that's something that we actually see in part with the mayor now who is, uh, has, directed a crackdown against food delivery workers on e-bikes in the city. Um, and, and he's kind of creating a false narrative that, um, that food delivery workers on e-bikes are, are somehow causing harm on New York City streets. And then nothing could be further from, from the truth. Uh, in fact, uh, only nine people, according to the NYPD's own data in 2018, were injured by someone riding an e-bike. Um, and... Uh, in, instead of actually encouraging uh, e-bike use, uh, which at least 30 other U.S. states have done, uh, Mayor de Blasio has directed a crackdown against them with the NYPD ticketing food delivery workers with 500 to $1,000 in tickets and confiscating their, their e-bikes, which they are required to use by their workers. Mar- so Mar- one of the things we're doing right Yeah, I'm sorry. We're going to have to leave it there. Go, go ahead. Finish your, finish your thought there. 
Uh, yes, yeah, so there's state legislation right now by Senator, Senator Jessica Ramos and Assemblymember Neely Rosick, which would legalize e-bikes, and, and uh, we are fully in support of that. Gotcha. All right, Mark O'Connor from Transportation Alternatives, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, and we'll be watching your advocacy uh, move forward in the, in the days and weeks ahead, especially as uh, Corey Johnson's bill moves forward. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. on WBAI 99.5 FM. It's Max and Murphy coming at you from our studios in Brooklyn. Ben Max and Jarrett Murphy here talking Vision Zero, street safety, biking, and all the different policy topics involved in that. We just heard from Mark O'Connor at Transportation Alternatives. And we have now on the line Council Member Adonis Rodriguez. He's a Democrat representing Northern Manhattan, and he is the chairman of the Council's uh, Transportation Committee. Council Member, welcome to Max and Murphy. Thank you. So we just were speaking with uh, with Mark O'Connor about Vision Zero and where it stands. And I know you recently got some legislation passed that deals with Vision Zero and street design. Can you tell listeners what that was all about? Well, it's about uh, being sure that when DOT, whoever are current or future commissioners and future administrations, uh, do any redesign of our street, they should include Vision Zero details that will make our streets accessible, will be more pedestrians and cyclist friendly. It's about turning our city as the most, as a safer, safer city in the nation, be sure that we are the more pedestrians and cyclist friendly. And what's the cost, I mean, of, of making a street pedestrian friendly. That's obviously how some people are going to think about it. Your your neighborhood's undergoing, say, a rezoning or something, and there's going to be a street design associated with that. And the goal, which is obviously noble, is to reduce uh, accidents and, and of course, fatalities. But what is the cost of that in terms of parking spaces, in terms of uh, stores having access to delivery trucks, uh, speed of traffic? What What is the kind of flip side of, of making the streets uh, Vision Zero safer for people? Well, I feel that all New Yorkers already understand that uh, the policy that we put in place, that beside the mayor being a leader in that effort, but also we have transportation alternative, family for safe streets, and other council. We've been working together with not only the advocates, but also the public and the private sectors to be sure that we make the right investment to make our streets safe. Everyone knows that Queens Boulevard, Boulevard was known as the Boulevard of the Dead because 25, 30 people, they were, they were killed every year because drivers, they were driving too fast and also there was no island built where to make uh, the streets safer for pedestrians. So what we know is that every year we have seen a major investment in, in our city dedicated to DOT for them to have all the right resources that they need to redesign our streets. We celebrate uh, all the accomplishments. We know that there's 
have been a larger a, a larger number so plaza pedestrian plaza being built we know that we also in the last few years have seen a progress on a uh, building more protected bike lane however what we have is not enough and we feel that beside the ambition plan that we are discussing we're uh, led by the speaker in the committee that i chair transportation we know that we we are working to have a goal to build uh, from the speaker side 50 mile protect protected mile building a city every year and we also been working on legislation to build a, to build a hundred but uh, we the speaker and i we will be working together but the most important thing is that when DOT has to redesign major intersections, when they use the resources that we allocate in the budget to redesign in our streets, they have not been mandated to include Vision Zero features in those redesigning. And that's what, we, that's what this bill did, is to put the tools that we need to be sure that the current and future generation and future administration follow Vision Zero strategy when, when they redesign our streets. Right, and I'm just looking at uh, right, and I'm just looking at the checklist here for the Vision Zero Street Design uh, Standard Bill that you passed. Um, it's elements like ADA accessibility, protected bike lanes, um, dedicated unloading zones for deliveries, narrower vehicle lanes, pedestrian safety islands. You know, some of these elements that um, advocates and legislators like yourself have pushed for in Vision Zero, but this now creates legal mandates on the Department of Transportation to. Take Take those into account. Um, so, what is it that drivers um, and people who are passengers in cars in the city need to understand that they need to sort of give up? I mean, it's a little bit of a different way of asking Jared's question from a couple minutes ago. But do you think you know? Obviously, people need to slow down. The speed limit was changed. Um, some of these measures also are are done to uh, you know incentivize people to slow down. Uh, you've got expansion of red light cameras, but besides slow slowing down in cars, what else do drivers need to understand that um, you're trying to do at a policy level? Is it is it that you're trying to significantly reduce car ownership in the city, or is that not a goal for you? Well, it is for me, it is a goal, I, but it's not uh, reducing the numbers of, of vehicles in the city of New York. It's not the last goal. The goal that we have is to save lives. And, and 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 when we uh, have to address the situation that we have in the city of New York, where last year we had more than 42,000 hit and runs, most of them related to damage. But 4,000 of those 42,000 ended with individuals being sent in critical condition to our hospital. When we have an average of one person being killed every week, uh, by irresponsible and criminal drivers who leave the scene after they hit someone. This is unacceptable in the city of New York. Sometimes we talk about the third world nations, and that's why Vice President Biden addressed when he came to LaGuardia. Well, we are not so far from a situation that we live in other countries in, in our regions and throughout the world. We have seen how the number of crashes has, has increased in the city of New York last year. And I feel that what we need to do, what drivers should know, and you know, I I, I drive a car. I'm one of those 1.4 million New Yorkers that own vehicles. 
Uh, but that 1.4 million New Yorkers has to realize that from the 8.5 million residents that we have in the city of New York, when we welcomed 65 million tourists last year, we are a walkable city. We have to continue investing, addressing transportation deserts. We need to create jobs beside the, the Midtown area, Long Island City, and Brooklyn, so that people, they don't have to travel in to go to work. But we need, we have to take advantage of this opportunity to be the most walkable city, the most walkable city in our nation. And when we accomplish our goal, we will be bringing solutions to a lot of problems. It's not only for pedestrians and cyclists to be safe, but it's also dealing with obesity and asthma and people that they had to walk uh, through many areas where uh, around the cross bronze, more children are dealing with asthma and obesity than any other area. So what drivers should know is that we have an opportunity to be part of a vehicle of change where we live behind cars being a symbol of progress and join the majority of New Yorkers, especially the new millennials, who don't, they don't have license, who many of them know that we have to continue using our buses, our trains, our bicycles and the water transportation. And I think that by investing in our street, by making our streets safer, by redesigning our streets in a different way where we bring those details that uh, you already mentioned in addressing transportation deserts we can save life not only for pedestrians and cyclists but also for drivers talk about mayor de blasio and whether or not he gets that i mean vision zero is a policy he adopted it was not one he ran on he adopted it early in his mayoralty uh, but we've heard people criticize him for being timid on some of these changes, and that perhaps being part of the reason why the numbers haven't dropped uh, more or perhaps have started to climb back up again. He's seen sometimes as a as a car guy who, as we know, is driven to the gym, and, and maybe that's part of the way he sees the city and why he was late coming to be a supporter of congestion pricing. Does he get this? And, and if so, why the timidity? Where is the holdup between these ideas you're talking about and uh, a mayor that supports Vision Zero helping to effectuate them? I, I, I believe that uh, Mayor de Blasio, together with the work that we have done at the council, uh, the advocates group, transportation attorney, uh, family for safe streets, members of the public and private sector, had done a good job when it came to investing uh, to make our streets safer. Again, the, the Queens Boulevard, that last year we didn't have a person being killed. It, it being, has been able to go through those changes because it, all of us have been working together. So I think that the mayor, uh, having done a decent job when it came to uh, fulfilling his work on that agreement to work in it to on, around Vision Zero. However, we can do better. And whoever is a, is a leader in the city of New York, uh, in this case, Mayor de Blasio, uh, have to understand that we are in a city where New Yorkers has a strong opinions, where New Yorkers has high expectations. And I feel that when we look at protected bike lane and see how we uh, were building around 20 protected uh, 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 bike lane last year, we could do better. And I hope again that as we will be holding a hearing uh, on the 12th on transportation, 
uh, we will be able to address and hear uh, from the speaker transportation plan and idea that I have shared in this committee of transportation with many of my colleagues on how to make sidewalks safe and how to invest in our streets. I think that one of the areas where we can do much better is reducing the speed limit for drivers when they make left turn. Uh, we need to use whatever uh, tools we have at DOT to be sure that all intersections in New York City should know, uh, should bring, bring everything that we have to. And again, if we need to establish a legal speed for drivers to when they make a left turn, which I think should not be more than five miles per hour. We need to address those changes that have to happen. But again, as a chairman of the Transportation Committee and working with DOT Commissioner Polly Tomber and Major de Blasio, I have seen many good changes. However, as New Yorkers that we have a strong opinions and as New Yorkers that we want to make all of us accountable. I feel that the mayor and the commissioners and all of us, we still can do better. And one of those is about redesigning our streets in a way that drivers should be forced to reduce the way of how they've been driving the streets so that pedestrians and cyclists will be safe. Uh, before I ask you a quick question on uh, the taxi medallion situation, we want to shift to that in our last couple minutes. Um, are you of the mind um, that the city needs to sort of reduce um, the the amount of, of allowed on-street parking, free on-street parking? Is that something that's on your agenda or no? I think that we have different sectors that, that uh, they use, you know, the those parking. I think that the challenges that we have, and that's what I say, one, of course, we need to address anyone who abuse the use of black car in the city of New York. I think that uh, we still have to do more on enforcement, uh, but I feel that the challenges that we have in our city is how drivers are still driving over the speed limit. Gotcha and how we can redesign our intersections to, uh, I'm sorry, how we can redesign our streets okay. to make them safer for pedestrians and cyclists. Okay, um, so on the taxi medallions in our last couple minutes here, um, obviously the New York Times published a, a long expose um, getting at some of the, the root issues in the in the taxi medallion bubble and, and the crisis um, that has occurred over the last few years. But a lot of the general um, broad strokes of the issue were, were well known and have been well known. Um, as the as the chair of the transportation committee, um, what where do you see as the as the key steps forward here in terms of uh, the taxi medallions? I think that the city of New York failed to those individuals who we were marketing the opportunity for them to buy medallions, especially in 2014. As we were marketing the values of medallion, uh, much higher than what the, the real value was. And I think that when we structure the value of the yellow medallion in a way that it is paid by TLC, that they are the only one that have 
the exclusive right to pick up and drop off. And, and what we have seen is that we have not leveled the playing field to make everyone accountable. I think that, again, that the city of New York had to redefine it. what is the, the, the corporate account, black card, because most most of them also have been seen the same as the new black card that has been created in the city of New York. We need to address it, it, how we have failed to to the yellow uh, tax medallions, and also we need to address how we have failed to deliver taxi the for hire vehicle. So I I I I'm working with my colleagues, Speaker Johnson, and the rest of my colleagues at the council to put together a plan to hope to redefine and support all sectors of the taxi industry that we have seen that we have failed, including those that bought those medallions, especially in 2014. So. Um You've passed things related to the for hire vehicle industry, and maybe there'll be more coming. But do you have anything in mind related to the medallions? I mean, you know, the the financial hardships that many folks who bought these medallions at clearly inflated prices, and I don't remember anybody really screaming much about the prices um, at all in in 2014 or so. Um, is there anything that you at this point have in mind in terms of dealing with those debts? Well, we are we are having conversation uh, with the staff at the New York City at the council, and 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 we hope to be able to put together some ideas in the next few weeks on addressing that situation, not only that affect the yellow taxi medallion owners, but also the other sectors such as the traditional corporate accounts, black car, and the four hire vehicles and all oh, I and my approach is that when we have a city of 65 million tourists that came here when we have 8.5 million residents there should be opportunity for everyone to do well but I don't think that the success of any particular group should be by uh, sacrificing all the sector by creating a condition for everyone to do well especially having the consumers at the top priority will allow for us to spend some time. I think that we need to put together a team of individuals that bring some recommendations on how to reorganize the TLC industry and how to be helpful to all sectors that interact in the Tax and Limousine Commission. So last question for you, Councilmember, just to come back to Speaker Johnson's plan for a master plan, uh, mapping out bike lanes and other transportation infrastructure on a five-year basis. You just alluded to the fact there are a lot of different uh, voices in this conversation, legitimate voices, people who have to drive, people who use buses, folks who walk, people who bike, some who do one thing one day, others others days. In terms of what you want to see in the process, how do you think the city should, if it takes up the idea of doing a master plan for transit, how should we hear those voices? What kind of engagement should occur? What should the civic conversation look like to produce that plan? Well, I, I we have a responsibility to make our streets safe for pedestrians and cyclists being the top priority. I, as you know, we, I have, I have introduced legislation in the last couple of years, and, and as we will be discussing Speaker Johnson's vision, with whom I will continue working together, I will incorporate those bills that I have also at the council that address uh, sidewalks that they are overcrowded. When you walk around, walk around uh, some of those avenues around 44th Street, you have seen how pedestrians 
they are forced to walk in in cycling in the in the in the in the bike lane because there's not a space in many of those sidewalks. We have seen how the city also can do better addressing intersections that they, they also are too narrow. I feel that one of the things that in this bill check in in the, the redesigning checklist bill that we address is also creating more pedestrian islands making the sidewalk wider. I feel that it, we are we have created an important movement. I think that the main focus should be, one, I believe that, and this is something that I presented in Rural Center a few years ago, I think that our goal should be to reduce the numbers of, of New Yorkers who own vehicles from 1.4 million uh, uh, car owners that we have today to 1 million by 2030. And by doing uh, that we had to uh, continue building more protected bike lane. Uh, I think that the ferry service should not be only something that we bring when we have seen major developments taking place. I also have wrote a letter in the past together with my colleagues, most of them from Manhattan, asking the city to expand ferry transportation al along the island of Manhattan from the Battery Plaza all the way to 72nd, 125th, 181st, uh, Dykeman, Riverdale, and going coming back through the east side of the island, so that we see water as a as a access that we have to create another uh, option for people to go around through the island. So I I believe that again with many bills that I, that I know that I had three or four that address how to make our sidewalk wider, how to study the sidewalk and bring suggestions, and together with the vision that the speaker has, I hope again that in the next year we will be able to put a plan together to make our streets safer. The whole idea is that everyone has to share the street, that the street doesn't belong to, to car owners, that the street mainly belongs to all New Yorkers, and most New Yorkers, more than 6 million New Yorkers, they just rely on public transportation. And in order to accomplish that goal, we have to invest more to run our trains faster and on time. Well, that is a, a simple yet somehow also revolutionary idea, but thank you for talking about it. Adonis Rodriguez, council member from Manhattan and chairman of the council's transportation committee, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Well, Ben, that was a fascinating conversation, a lot to chew over there, a lot to think about in years ahead. Um, but let's talk about what we've been covering this week on our respective uh, day jobs. What's uh, what's the top of your list at Gotham Gazette? Well, we're actually looking at a couple things related to the end of the session in Albany as we started off at the top of the show. One of the big things we're looking at is the Climate and Community Protection Act. We're looking at um, there's been a, a, a bit of a groundswell around it. Uh, the, the coalition supporting it has announced endorsements from the congressional delegation, many members of it from New York, led by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Both Senators Schumer and Gillibrand have expressed their support for the CCPA, but Governor Cuomo seems to clearly not think it is a realistic policy, so he may be the one standing in the way, and I'm not sure that both majorities of the Assembly and the Senate are that committed to it, so we're taking a look at that. How about right, you? When it comes down to the, to the deal-making at the end, yeah, we did a story today about what it's like to grow old in the New York City homeless shelter system. Obviously, homeless 
illness is challenging for anybody who's surviving it, but particularly for disabled and people who are getting older, uh, unique challenges regarding where shelters are are situated and rules about what kind of equipment you can have there and obviously questions about medical care. So that was a kind of heart-rending story. We'll obviously be paying attention to rent regulations the days ahead, and I'm sure you will uh, as well. Uh, but Indeed. Indeed. And our time is up. Our time is but nearly we up. we will be back. Join us again next Wednesday at 5 p.m. He's Ben Max from GothamGazette.com. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. You've been listening to Max and Murphy on WBAI. Have a great week in the greatest city in the world.